This is the chop up, trying to get chopped up, not get slapped up. You already know. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start it out with the political chop. Uh, y'all know my favorite chop. And uh, it's, it's, it's some interesting stories going on today. Uh, Kanye is still, yeah. still in these conversations. He's still playing a large role uh, in having an impact on this election. And reports have surfaced over the past day or so that Kanye has been meeting with Jared Kushner. Oh, can I can I drop this hot stat before you talk about Jared Kushner? Please. The other hot stat I want to put with this in terms of his relevance is I read on the young Twitter that uh, Donald, uh, Kanye West got two percent of black voters um, participating, and the retweet said, "Is it just me, or is that two percent too high?" And I was like, "Exactly." So. Mm. With that in mind, knowing that this man is out here making enough of a dent not to be point something, not two percent of black voters. Now let's toss it over to this Jared Kushner analysis, just so we see how how ridiculous, wild, and kind of serious this is. So that's the juxtaposition, right? You have the fact that two percent of black voters are polling in a, in a direction positive to Kanye, while Kanye is meeting with this not only the son-in-law of the president. But also a uh, advisor, a high level advisor in his cabinet. Now, see, and this is where this is where like a lot of that nigga shit, all, all that free thinking shit, and all that shit just start going out the window with me. Um, but before I go on that tangent, it wasn't like, free thinking in the first place, man. Stop but, but, yeah, that's man. what I'm saying. But before I go on that tangent, George, the sky's free thinking. When you see when you see headline, Kanye meets with Kushner. Headline: Two percent of black voters. Uh, are uh, leaning towards Kanye? What? I mean, what's your what's your initial reaction? What's your first thought? Man, I'm ir- irritable, 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 and just being like, boy, y'all lost in the sauce of identity politics and bullshit. Because my mind is what like, you mean? break it down, elaborate that. To me, it's like they voting, they wouldn't to vote for Kanye West just based off of the fact that I'm sure they um, maybe maybe black hair rapper. You know, but at the same time, it's like, do you know the like, do you know who has been backing him and who has been giving him a lot of the uh, political uh, advice in terms of what ballots you need to do, what papers you fill out? It's like the ops. So if you go to <laughs> right. literally the ops, you feel me? And it's like I don't know how that works. You feel me? Like I'm. I, I and I think that's the difficult part of it because it's the and this is what I was talking about the danger, y'all, the blurring of the line between who the ops is. Because of this rhetoric, mm-hmm. Toya, I know. I mean, you kind of, you kind of like set the stage for uh, the conversation, pointing out the statistic with the, with the, uh, the percentage of black voters. But when you, when you, when you make that correlation, what's your initial reaction? Do you say danger? Are you like, is this a, is this, is this a nuisance? What's your initial reaction? It's a dangerous nuisance, and I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> For me, I think when you start meeting with Jared Kushner, you can have a lot of people who are like black people specifically who are politically 
um, moderately literate, right? Which means they don't know a whole lot of whatever, but they've heard Jared Kushner's name before and know he's important. So it becomes very dangerous that he, in relationship to Kanye, they having conversations, they having meetings, they doing this, that, and the other, because now it goes from him being on the stage where he paid for and he got yes men. We talked about this, right? He just rented out of space. He got yes men. He crying on the stage, having a breakdown, telling all his family business or whatever. That's one thing. But now he's getting meetings with real political leaders. That's a whole separate issue where it's given legitimacy. Like now black people get to be like, well, if Jared Kushner take him serious, I heard his name before he a real political heavy hitter and they meet. So that's the bad part. You see what I'm saying? It, it becomes this very weird, slippery slope. Buzz, they ain't got a buzz. You got to know who he is. It's like, Jared Kushner. I seen that on TNE. It's Fox News one time. The hotline, y'all, over the last few weekends has been the fact that it's been exposed that Donald Trump and Kanye is in cahoots. That this has all been a plan and part of the plot to fracture uh, the Republican ballot so much so, or uh, fracture voters so much so that a vote for Don, for, for uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can't be just cut and drop, right? So, like, what, are we like, like, to that? Can, like, can we on. can we attach it to the conversation that we had though? Like, just like you were saying, like how we were just talking about that, and now we're literally saying this person who the basis of our problem with them being involved in politics, supporting their blackness, but seeing that there's some mental issues going on, this mentally unstable individual is having conversations with high level uh, White House advisors in, in a direct effort to influence black voters away from Joe Biden. Like, it, I mean, it's ultimately how can you be so free thinking if you if there's this obvious plot? To manipulate your sensibilities and you fall for it that easy all i, I mean help me understand because i mean because y'all y'all was i was saying like this is dangerous this way you're thinking is dangerous you feel I me like like yeah that, we saying he got that, uh, mental issues but like now the, the the niggas having campaign rallies now he's meeting with high level advisors i, I mean at like what like at what point like i mean what i like, say i say at what point but what do we do I mean, I, I, at this in a real world of where this is happening, all we can kind of do is push political literacy as much as possible and shake some of these people in their consciousness to the core and hope that the dent is not going to be bad enough. A whole the, what's really terrible about all of this is a whole lot of this is duck and cover. A whole lot of this is brace for impact. There's no yeah. once it gets going. How do we out navigate the idiots that are willing to vote for Kanye West and the idiots that are willing to vote for Donald Trump? Still, how do we out? How is how you just got to brace for impact and hope for <laughs> and the fact? Like everybody said in the comment section, when people like the baby is saying the saying like I vote for Kanye West, it's like fam, it's too <laughs> many eighteen freshly eighteen year old Gen Zers man that just wanna say I want the shit with that bop in it. They're gonna, they're gonna because they want the shit with the bop in it. They're gonna do anything to make hey, 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 like, But you know what? This it's a, but that that brings me to the next part of this before we before we move on to the next chop, our our, our, our next part of the political chop. Do the do the people that saying this do they vote though? And if it's if it gets them to vote, and and it, it, like during a time where they typically wouldn't, how dangerous is that? Because it's like if somebody's voting for Kanye based on they did they Harry is coming, they going to saying, but, I, but but that's what I'm saying. If 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 that's the way that the conversation is going, like and and it's and it's galvanizing people, like they getting up and they saying I'm 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 gonna go into this to this uh, I'm gonna put forth the effort to cast a ballot. 
uh-huh. for Kanye to sway this shit? What about? Him? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. I think, I think that, I think that. Um, I feel like I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword to me, part how, how I kind of see about it because because on one instance, like it is dangerous because like in, in a big picture, only only two people gonna have the really opportunity to win. Now, are there other candidates? Yeah, there's a third. There's an independent party. Somebody running for the independent party. I'm sure that's you know what I'm saying some third party candidate along with Kanye West as well. So there are other options. I, I see that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you got to vote. And as long as, long as you vote, though, it's like, yeah, I, I see that. But I see how I think that um, on, on, on like a surface level, both of both arguments about just voting and voting for Kanye West, how sometimes it just kind of devolve into some 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 petty shit. Yeah, I mean, but ultimately, uh, ultimately, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if we sit up here talking about like elections being as close as they have been in, in, in the past and we're saying like, you know, it's it's a question of one to two percent that's that's swaying entire states that's where that becomes dangerous like that's where yeah. i mean we can get in not and not even to get into the high political science you know Duberger's law and the role that plays in and um, keep it simple though it's like if i mean goddamn illinois you feel me and you know uh illinois last year donald trump last election donald trump only won by you know what i'm saying six percent two percent five percent you know, what does it mean for a few people to be mobilized and say, I'm voting for West 2020 in the state of Illinois? What does that mean for the state of Illinois, for all of the electoral votes that go for the state of Illinois to either all go to the Democratic Party or all go to the Republican yeah. Party? So I, think I mean, but then when you got like, going into I don't know, I, I'll say this and then um, we can get to even more ridiculous news and politics today. Um Ultimately, when they when they using like black I- cultural icons to like as puppets to undermine other I'm Malcolm X. I'm going Malcolm X every time. I'm going Malcolm X every time with that shit. Like look at look look at the individuals they choose to run our community, and look at the people they choose to run their community. The white community would never let a country rapper, I mean a, a, a country star, run their community. A white community would never let a white actor run their community, except for Ronald Reagan, right? <laughs> Or Donald Trump, right? You know what I'm saying? But in terms of just being a pure entrepreneur, that's not something you do. You feel me? Our community, they pick comedians and, and rappers and actors and ball players, and it's like, hey man, sometimes you gotta recognize people with their craft and what their expertise is. And when and, and being able to recognize expertise, you have to recognize what people's weaknesses is. And sometimes it's like, hey, that's not your strength. And I'm not saying you're not a bad person, I'm not saying you're not smart, I'm not saying I intellectual, but it's like, hey. Feel me, Kanye West needs to be president, man. Charles Walker needs to be president, man. Yeah, that's true. Toy, you no, no nigga be in the streets, but he don't need to be president, man. I don't need to be you, president, man. Toy, you want to give a uh, last words on that before we move on to the next part? I mean, I'm kind of tapping into the comments where uh, Jerron says hip hop always had influence over young voters. Obama won with the with heavy support support from Hove and Diddy. We just have shittier options this time around. Um, and I don't completely necessarily disagree with that uh but i also think hip-hop has like a a captivating and culture changing and as we've seen like not just our culture but literally pop culture changing capacity to really talk about some real shit and really mobilize some real shit and i think hip-hop uniquely misses the mark every single time even the conversations (laughs) about barack obama were not like real conversations and keep in mind they were the same conversations everybody else was having you said we missed the mark to you Every yeah, <laughs> every single time, right? right? I, there is a lack of continuity between the communal struggles that people express and kind of talk about in the ways, the multiplicity of ways we can go out there and deal with it from 
and, and, and it's just, I struggle with hip hop being an influential factor. We could have talked about WAP today, which we won't, but I struggle with it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We didn't get yeah. to be storytellers, right? And get yeah. to, you know, contrive experiences and really, uh, um, um, what is it called? Uh, almost make a character out of the small stuff. You didn't really walk in the room and what Soldier Boy. WAP is number one in 41 countries right now. I believe too. it, but you know, you didn't really do that. But you get to rap about that type of shit. But women, when they want to be a little bit more verbose about the sexual conquest that they have, they don't really, they don't, then all of a sudden it's just, you can't talk about that. Well, what happened? I thought we was just- You know what Snoop Dogg said? Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Bitches ain't shit but- Yeah, I mean, I get, so there's definitely- Ultimately, I deviated to WAP to simply say that while hip hop has had an influential role on politics, um, and definitely it has its role in what we know to be politics and activisms and things like that. When it comes to this particular sector of politics, hip hop has missed the mark. Everything from Hovind Diddy and the Just Vote, Vote or Die campaign, which is not even a real option that niggas have. Like, well, I have more options than voting or dying. Like, you don't have to die about the lie about the situation to get me to participate in politics. Like, don't You're lie. You're but, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, I'm not happy with hip hop and how they deal with politics in a lot of different ways. And that's, this is an example of that. Yeah. That's another really big component of how hip hop misses the marks on politics. Because if you really get out there and get politically dirty, black black hip hop, I mean hip hop artists gonna miss some money. Because yeah. you're gonna awaken a public and a society who's not gonna fall for the bullshit you be selling. So it's all connected, and it's the reason why hip hop misses the mark. Hey, that's a good way to that's a good way to transition. Um, the next part of the political chat that we're talking about, the next story that we're gonna discuss is is really messed up. Uh-oh. The racism is already starting to display itself. Uh-oh. Um, and this is interesting. So what we have is a uh, Virginia mayor is being urged to resign after uh, being quoted as saying that Biden picked Aunt Jemima as his VP. <laughs> mayor uh, Barry oh, Pressgrave. I'm, I'm to myself. You said that you said that the Virginia somebody uh, uh, a person know, to, to be clear, to be clear, his name is it's, uh Luray, Virginia. His name is Mary Mayor Barry Pressgraves, mm-hmm. and he may and he, he and he did re, uh backtrack. He said, I understand what I posted on social media was wrong, offensive, and unbecoming. Um, but he is still facing calls for his resignation. Uh, and this is after he posted on Facebook that Joe Biden just announced Aunt Jemima as his mm-hmm. running mate. Respond. Please. <laughs> Already. Already. Fresh off the presses. I think I think that I think that if you couple this with already the uh birther shit being 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 kind of weaponized against her, I think that it's just like wild identity politics that structure I feel like I feel like to me, I feel like it's levels to identity politics. I think there's a certain level, a certain level of identity politics that's structured into the like to into American political system. But we have to, I feel like, really give it the authenticity test about who's really American. And we see who get the who, who get the really American test and who get the pass off the rip. Just you, we know you're American. We're gonna pick something else at you. And it's just like I mean, but but this though, like, I mean, look at look at we we're just now getting we're like what we a day off of two days off of this announcement. Two days. And I mean, you have a and these are these are leaders of people. Of cities, this is a mayor. I mean, are, are, are is is are we shocked by the uh, quickness 
by which they really felt like somebody they felt like saying that's okay. Like when you when you read them headlines, Toya, what is your? I mean, because th- this is in the context of like the conversation that we're having as black people about why we shouldn't vote for her, why she did all of these things, why all these problems, right? All these issues that we have with her. How do we how do we juxtapose that now? Seeing these headlines and seeing her being attacked by the racist. What's the response? I mean, as a as a black woman, I am ever so perpetually, you know, conflicted, right? Because I mean, not necessarily about the comments about Angel Mama, like that's predictably racist and problematic mm-hmm. and all this kind of mm-hmm. terrible and trash, right? But my thing is, when you you do you get what you sign up for? Like, I'm not saying she deserves it, and I'm not, you know, by any means insinuating that. What I'm saying is, you put yourself in a line of fire. You have kind of the capacity to magnetize a lot of attention and I just what to be surprised for what like I, I just like I don't to be surprised for what she's already caught amidst uh it's just it's, it's controversial and it's problematic and it's fucked up but for me to pretend to be surprised at political leaders the same leaders who mishandle COVID that are like and she's kind of trapped into and it's not anything that she's doing but she's trapped in a vortex of criticism because of who she is she a black woman in politics like waste time being surprised for what? It's all predictable. It's so, just like, I don't know. So, I'm, so wh- how do you help us orient and understand the approach then to addressing like which which one is and, and I mean kind of bringing back what we was talking talking about earlier, which one is more important at this point? And like first Toya then George, this this conversation about her being this uh being the prosecutor and everything that she did as the top cop, right? Mm-hmm. Or defending a black woman representing black people on this national stage from blatant attempts of uh, uh, of, of racism. So you first. Which one is which one? Do, do we prioritize? We can't do them both. I mean, I think. I mean, you know what? I think in a world where the cut and dry orientation we. It's hard. It's hard. We can't do it. A lot of we can't. We can't. And so it's hard because I think my my gut tells me to ride for a black woman, right? My gut tells me under all circumstances, unacceptable, just kind of hard line cat for ride for a black woman, period. The other part of my gut tells me that is some unforgivables, right? And so how do I navigate the, your process, your power, the way you use, pro, the, your, your, how, how you've been a prosecutor, how you defended your policing, the state of current policing, and like George mentioned in the debate, us needing answers and change right now. What have you done lately, lately for me lately, or what you gonna do, or whatever, whatever, show me a good time, I think was the mantra of the debate yesterday, right? And so all of that shit is true too, but, you damned if you do and damned if you don't, because even if she wasn't the police at this level in the game, she was going to be scrutinized or something. If it was Stacey Abrams, they was going to be like this rookie, this elementary, basic ass, unqualified, waste of time, waste of space. This is all just pandering to the black vote. So the only reason we're not having that conversation is because she's who she is. So it's like, and this is Rashad's post. If y'all go look back at my type of post that we, we posted a little bit earlier, we see the binary. Right. Nate says, am I really supposed to gravitate toward this woman when she did all this bad shit to black women, to black people because she looked like my auntie? Or do I not recognize the fact that Kamala Harris wouldn't Kamala Harris wouldn't even be in a position to be vice president if she wasn't shit like a senator and a prosecutor? And like if she, she didn't have to occupy again, 
and this is where this is where I think um this is this is where I think um to what you're saying, Toya, where we kind of summed it up yesterday in the debate is how do you operate in a position in a role in in an institution of anti-blackness without when it demands that you that you that you participate in anti-blackness? That's the job. You see that the the hard part of what I see that's that resilience though. Kayla and Kayla and uh, Malachi and all of them like do both, do both. I, what do, what does that mean when it's time to vote? Like that's the flip floppy. Like what is it? I get one ballot and one one time to re- to reckon with my conscience and kind of navigate what it. it's like. How do what does that? What does perm mean materially? Perm, yes, I get it. Everybody got to do hey. this, that, and the other. But what does that mean for me? And shout out to Nate. Uh, definitely appreciate it, like your your post and how it added that contrast uh, earlier. And he says you can't do both. You can never do both. You can never do both. It's it's like it's literally the impossibility of blackness. He said he, but, said, he said you can do neither do both. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but what? But but I mean, how do how do you address that though, George? How do you which which one? I mean, specifically, what you saying that the rub that. You taking the position that it's uh, her past is so relevant. How do we what, what do we prioritize in a world where we we know that these racists are going to come at her full steam? Do we prioritize protecting her from the racist, or do we focus on these questions of accountability that you posed yesterday? I I think that we focus on the 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 the, the more accountability. I think that the racist in terms of the ballot. I don't think that I don't. I don't I don't see the racist being swayed like me protecting Kamala from racist doesn't get Kamala more ballots in my, in my, in my, in my from my perspective. Huh. And the racist people that's launching attacks against Kamala Harris, they, they mind already made up. They was never going to vote for Kamala Harris. And the people that listen to them, in my opinion, probably wasn't going to vote for Kamala Harris, too. Like, I'm pretty sure the mayor of uh, the mayor of Virginia, they said that sh- whatever they said, however many votes they got in their little district of uh, in, in their little city of Virginia, I'm willing to bet money. That at least 90% of them people was never ever thinking about voting for Kamala Harris. In my mind, it's people like Nate that I want to get. You know what I'm saying? Nate yeah. has the criticism of accountability. So, in my opinion, Nate is more likely to vote for Kamala Harris than any racist piece of shit in Virginia. So I'm willing to have the conversation with Nate about accountability to figure out how to get this brother to the to, to, to the ballot, to the ballot booth and fuck them racist people. They're gonna racist, listen, the sky's blue, dogs bark. A racist gonna racist be racist. Gonna be I'm a racist, racist. Yeah. Surprised for them things at all. Let's get let's get to these comments though. Yeah, because I want to. That's how I think anyway. Particular comment, and it's Kayla's, and that's because I'm still not, uh, and I'm not putting it on you to resolve the conflict. But then you're like, and this is what we came, we were kind of starting to. This you is talking about the perm? You talking about the perm? Right, Kayla says all these complexities black women have to operate yeah. in. I can hold her accountable and call out racist, or call out racist, or yeah, and call out racist, and you can, right? But my question becomes, what does that accountability materialize? As? It's the a trade off. The to, highest level. To me, the ballot to me is like trying to get. It's, okay. To me, it's trying to get people like me and my like Nate to the ballot. And and in my in my opinion, Nate, we we have more power and more influence and persuasion to be able to maybe get Nate to go to the ballot than any racist talking shit about Kamala. And here here's why I hold her accountable is such a weird kind of thing for me to wrap my mind around because what does that look like? We can put her on all the black shows we want to and grill her about her policing and see the God in the breakfast show and make her talk to these black people. But when she get in their meetings, 
She gets to lean on the fact that she know how that stuff works and she gonna do what she know to do. So hold her accountable. What that mean? Make her sit down and listen as we go off on her about being a bad black prosecutor and being the police. And then she say, okay, okay. And then she still go make her decisions. The only way to truly hurt her accountable would be to take away her power to perpetuate anti-blackness, right? So that's a conflict. Cause what does it mean to hold her accountable in the first place? Yeah, I wanna fight for my sister, like Jerome. I fight for her. She is sister we should fight for. I want to fight for my sister. But mm-hmm. when it comes to holding her accountable, she's in politics. That I think, means I think, I think I got the two specific questions that she was asked during the Democratic primary, specifically about her track record. Literally, she was asked by uh, okay, uh, 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 the woman, her, her last name was like, uh, what was the, it was like two other women. What was the other woman's name that was also running for a Democratic president? She asked Kamala a specific question. Come out, uh, not Marianne Williamson. <laughs> the other uh, one. Uh, 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 Elizabeth Warren or um, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Klobuchar, Klobuchar. asked, 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 asked Kamala a question specifically about, you know what I'm saying, her time at being an attorney general. It specifically asked her about what would she do as president to be able to try to remedy some of the things she did as attorney generals. Kamala's response was she don't think she did anything wrong and that she was X, Y, and Z. In my, in, in my opinion, the accountability is answering a question and being able to say, I think doing this, this, and this. Okay, but see, but see this is the problem, right? Because I think what, what, Nate, what, what, what Nate addressed uh, is, is really actually answering the question that niggas is really skirting around what? and that's how do you do both for example it's an election season it's an election year she doesn't have the position yet she still gotta win that thing yeah. and so when we talk about doing when we talk about doing both like how how do we galvanize people to support her to lift her up to help defend her from the racist when while the racists are doing what they're doing we're bombarding her with the criticism that we feel like, well, you ain't been good enough at this and you ain't been good enough at that. And while we're doing that, we're allowing her opponents to compound her, the person that's running on our behalf with that same mess. Is she running on our behalf like that? I mean, that's the pinnacle. I mean, but, but, but ultimately, but is he implying that or is it very directly, articulately being kind of shaped? That's the accountability part that's 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 like some transparency in terms of what are you doing? What are you standing for? There's been a lot of wishy-washy in terms of policy, in terms of politics, and in terms of what you're saying, in terms of when you're getting these interviews. I so, mean, what are you saying for? This is what happened. Uh, you know what? You know, I think we get a whole lot more than what you're actually saying. And I hate to cut you off, but I think we get actually this is the next topic. We're getting too much into the next topic. <laughs> Let me say this one thing about like some of the things that still frustrate me, right? Because yeah. you know, I'm gonna call out your comment because I still I'm, here's the problem with comment. You say you say we have a couple of no, not that comment. Uh Malachi says, no, nah, accountability isn't removing her from power, but telling her she needs to redeem herself. So if we materialize what this means, check this out. You say, nah, it's not removing her from power. That means we get to allow her to be vice president, right? Which means her history in law enforcement may mean Joe Biden might say, okay, so you handle this policing issue that we have in this country, whatever. She gets four years to make dicey, messed up decisions in the orientation toward black people and ends up maybe doubling down at worst. At best, not fixing nothing. And just letting it be business as usual. At worst, making it worse. And then the next time I get to hold her accountable, it's saying, you can't be president. Well, nigga, she was already vice president. We already gave her more leeway. 
So when does the accountability kick in? Yeah, that no names we come in. <laughs> you know what? Um, to redeem yourself on top of you being a career police officer, sit uh, a prosecutor. Like, what am I giving you more time for? Just make that part make sense to me. Why am I? Why do you get to redeem yourself for four more years and then I and then I'll get you? Like. I'll say this. I'll say this. And, yeah, and what cost is the redeeming? But 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 this is why I agree with Damo in terms of and and Nate. Cause you know they're making two different arguments essentially. But it's still like, what does it mean to hold to do both? And what does it mean still to hold accountable? I I, I can agree wholeheartedly. Uh, we still have to kind of develop what that illustrate what that means to hold one accountable. And I think that the model of accountability in our community, not only for people in power but for each other, is one thing that we lack. And I feel like sometimes spend a lot of time. Hurting, killing, brutalizing, messing each other up because our messed up uh, to me uh, uh, instances of accountability. Can I ask you real quick about this before we? I know, I know we're trying to move on, but I got a question because Dominique, I feel like I asked you this question. I want to ask both of y'all this and the people in, in the chat. In the chat, yeah. if Carl Harris came out tomorrow and said, "Everybody, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of soul searching, talking to the right people, finally, and I've seen the light. I am sorry, I messed up." Uh, what I did in terms of policing was bad and wrong. I can do better. I will do better. Forgive me. Is that accountability to y'all? Is that enough to convince you that she should be a slave or something? If she comes out with an apology, which is not a move politicians make, by the way, politicians. I'm I'm gonna give you some debate. Shit, it's a step in the right direction and a good move. God damn it. From from my vote, yeah, I think I think that to me, I think that to me, when I, when I say accountability, I know as an adult, if someone an apology. Them, you're able to ha- you're able to hold them accountable to, for what they say. You know what I'm saying? And Kyle no, recognizes that. In my opinion, she recognizes that, and that's one of the reasons why when she's been grilled on it multiple times, she has rewritten history. I'm a, I was a progressive pro- a prosecutor. No, I didn't really do that. It wasn't really like that. I didn't do anything wrong. I did my good job. I think she recognizes that if she acknowledges and verb and speech. That she did something wrong, she's gonna be held accountable to it. I think everybody in the public recognizes that in terms of being a public figure. Whether you got a little small Instagram following or whether you're the president, you recognize when you put things in speech and you say it publicly, you held accountable to it. Even 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 though dumbass Donald Trump recognized that today he was asked. So Donald Trump, how do you feel about lying to the people for these last four years? Donald Trump said, Who lying? He recognized there's no way for him to answer that question and not be held accountable for his lying ass ways. Let me to me, this mean language is important. Let me let me say this. Um, and because because we're gonna we gonna get back on Kamala. We we, oh, we have not left that alone. We're gonna get back to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and uh we're gonna get to the last uh story of this evening for the political chop. Um we have to understand the context that the conversation is happening in. I think Jerron made a comment earlier uh, about having these conversations behind closed doors, which is something I'm completely okay with. But when we talk about in the context of an election, encourage Jerron. Shout out to everybody in New Orleans, man. Yeah, hey, 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 too. But listen, hey, but, the but but that's what I'm saying. Ultimately, though, in the context of an election, when we have like. You're not talking about accountability if you're only talking about one of the candidates' history. That's why even in the debate yesterday when we was talking about Donald Trump, the reason why I said Donald Trump's history was irrelevant was because she wins that. You bringing up Trump and Pence and they record in comparison to Kamala Harris and, and, and uh, Joe Biden and they record, it's a wash. It's a wash. No, she wins. That's why I, I mean, I mean but, that, but I'm saying like that, like she, <laughs> like she, that, like 
she win that. And so ultimately, that's something that worked to her advantage because you would still say, I would rather have Kamala in these problems with then, then Trump and Pence, what they bring in, and the worst that they could be, especially not going into a second term, knowing they don't got to worry about a re-election. You know what I'm saying? So we got we just, just always remember the context that we have in the conversation and the criticism is always valid. But if the criticism takes away from the possible growth and success, then, you know, that's a problem. Uh, the last story we're going to get into is a story about uh, the unemployment crisis that we have going on. Uh, again, I, I like to touch on these little things that have to do with COVID. And a study came out recently that is, that, that explained how the extra six hundred dollars uh, that that uh, we had got in unemployment uh, from the what was it called the uh, the relief bill or whatever. The study showed that it actually did not make people more lazy. <laughs> you feel me? The study showed that people actually still wanted to go back to work. Nobody was not going back to work. Studies showed that when, uh, in specifically when in instances of short-term layoffs, people were actually quicker to not use the majority of they, uh, uh, they, they, their benefits, their unemployment benefits, and actually only used up into, I mean, on average, up into what they could use, what they needed until they went back to work, right? So we had these narratives associated with these people uh, that and which is pretty much holding up the entirety new relief bill going into the second or uh, the last quarter of the year. Uh, there is no relief bill currently, and uh, Congress is actually going in recess until September. Now, September 8th. excuse me, September eighth. September eighth. Um, so starting with you, Toya, help me understand how these narratives get pushed, how these narratives get started, um, the purpose of them specifically. Um, in an election season from your perspective and the impact you think that they had? Which narratives? The narratives that people were that, that people were being lazy. That I that mean, people that, that giving people this additional money would make them not want to go back to work. I mean, let's I mean be honest about it, right? So if we use Cat Williams's logic, which was one of from one of his stand-ups, I forget which one, but he was talking about how, you know, in terms of like social issues or whatever, it's gonna come a time when we really gonna start seeing people become niggas. You know what I'm saying? Like you being niggified. You know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden, nigga, the niggerness becomes transferable, and white people and non-black people will all of a sudden start to see what black people been complaining about all along, right? I think in the same ways we start to see that transference of niggerness onto people who are suffering from unemployment to be niggerized. Well, hey, you're being niggerized, you know what I'm saying? Because who who is the welfare queens? Who is being, you know what I'm saying, articulated as the one sucking up social services and being lazy and being whatever? And so now we've just kind of cross-applied that to different people who become leeches and drains on the systems without explaining how they got there in the first place, without understanding the argument they're not lazy, it's their social conditions. Again, how do we get to that narrative? It's an old playbook, right? It's just we just kind of cross-apply. That shit in the logic of Cat Williams to everybody else who gets to qualify for a nigga for the day. So that's how the, the narrative ends up expanding. Good. Shit, I don't know. I ain't got much to add to that. Just like <laughs> that. That's what that is. It's just like, I think when it comes to just a pure economic understanding in America, I think there is, is, is structure to really have a prejudice against poor people. And I think any way to justify or rationalize poor people having less or getting the short end of the stick, I think a lot of people kind of fall into it. 
And I believe no matter what the reality is, it seems like a lot of people really be lost in the sauce of capitalism. And as long as the the the, the bourgeoisie people in ruling class, the people that sign their checks, is telling them a, a specific narrative. The people I feel like the, uh, us workers, we're gonna buy into the narrative. Is what, is what I find. How many of y'all have seen the most dumbass uh, tweets or you know what I'm saying memes about oh uh, y'all complaining about them taking away four hundred dollars? If you ain't started, you know LLC or you ain't been saving no money, then you just been this, that, and the other. It's like you, you congratulations, you have drunk the Kool Aid. Yeah, you know man, you got all these people right here. They tired of you know what? What I recognize is that a lot of people is ready. They tired of sitting in the house. You feel me? And it's like, what, tired of sitting in the house? And I think that because I know that's a reality, but I still see the reality of people being like, hey, yo, people just being lazy, y'all mismanaging money, this, that, and the other. It showed me like, boy, capitalism is messed up. You inherited it. You, you, you didn't internalize it. And let me tell you, go, go ahead, Don. No, go, go ahead, because I was going to kind of uh, move it forward. I mean, still on the same topic, but go ahead. The gotcha about all of this, COVID and the, the unemployment and the, the, the innocent bystanders that are a direct result of the government's inhandling of this uh, this particular pandemic show the intersection between anti-blackness and capitalism, what we call racial cap. You know what I'm saying? We call it racial capitalism. So we are living and seeing what happens when we play this zero-sum game that is, here's the key word for the night, disproportionately affecting black and brown people. The perfection of systems like anti-blackness times capitalism and how it seeks out black people specifically means of course it's going to be some casualties it's going to be some friendly fire it's going to people because remember who's most affected by the coronavirus in terms of uh, uh infections and death black and brown yeah, black people, black yeah. people. Yeah. who works in most service industry jobs or jobs black that are people. outside yeah. of our Black people, right? So yeah, yeah, the system is being perfected. The mishandling of this virus, the way that it targets a particular group of people, and then you have the intersections of capitalism and anti-blackness. We got some innocent bystanders in terms of white or non-black people who are being done over by the system. But this is chickens coming home to roost because again, mm. the system was always created to be disproportionately worse to black and brown people. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a shame that we got these casualties around it, but the system is working just fine. You know what I'm saying? So, what's happening? The system is working just fine. Fact. So, and and to, to tap it off, let's go ahead and give it. Let's go ahead and give a reason why. You know what I'm saying? People aren't returning to work because I think what's even more dangerous is that that we placing this blame and saying people aren't going back to work when the reality is the jobs aren't there. So what we're saying here is that a growing body, and this is an article on uh, CNBC. Um, it says a growing body of research has shown no such correlation between boosted unemployment pay and people not returning to work. A Yale report uh, published in July, for example, found that the extra $600 is not the primary reason people are or are not working. Rather, the most important factor in whether people return to work was the availability of jobs. We think the reason the lack of difference is that the scarce job opportunities rather than labor supply has been the main factor in determining employment during the pandemic. While some people may have chosen not to look for work because of the generosity unemployment benefits, the dominating factor in unemployment levels has been low labor demand. So the, what makes this so dangerous is that you have people literally focused on blaming the victims of these crises for uh, uh, in, in literally in a reality where it, there is nothing that they can do. Like it's creating a scapegoat out of the people that are suffering the, from the worst circumstances of uh, of the pandemic. Like you don't just look up and think, all right, by the end of this year, I'm not going to have my job. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's what you're seeing with the mass layoffs. That's what you're seeing with the uh, I mean, even even in terms of short term layoffs, uh, businesses closing. It's dis- like this whole thing has destroyed small businesses. And on the backdrop of small businesses being destroyed on the backdrop of people being unemployed, you got the government, the government, Republicans specifically. But I know how it's get. So I'm going to say the government pushing a narrative on the people. And then at the same time, allowing major corporations to suck up all the benefits for the small businesses that are collapsing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's dangerous. Like that's when we talk about like what, like uh, uh, certain conspiracies. And when we talk about the danger of what the government is doing, I mean, yeah, we can look at Kamala and we can have our issues and we, uh, uh, with what all of these politicians are doing. But ultimately there is a much bigger danger that's operating in our federal government right now. And, and like uh, Toy, I don't know. You said it was your homegirl or somebody that you said that like it's it's all like every battle. You can't fight every battle right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it's a question of prioritizing. And like you know, in, in terms of these numbers, these studies that's that's hey, like saying stop blaming the unemployed. These are the narratives that we got to push back on um, in, I mean, in order to make sure that that uh, th- that these impacts don't compound themselves. Go ahead, Toya. Well, I mean, a great example of that is what Kayla's talking about in the comments. She says, definitely seeing essential workers being pitted against those getting unemployment. And it's like, you don't even realize how work, how messed up the system, the, the system is when you poor calling somebody else poor. Yeah. Like, it's the same way. Like, how do you be upset with somebody for getting unemployment when you qualify for a, a, a refund check or a relief check? Y'all poor. You poor. You got the poor people money. You got that $1,200. You got the poor people cut. You know what I'm saying? So you ain't got no room to criticize what people getting the extra six hundred dollars is doing because y'all on the same boat. From the perspective of the, the, the decision makers, Senate, see, 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 I know, but the, another layer to it. I know that people in Oklahoma and then people in Texas, they the 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 beef, the essential workers versus unemployment people, people that's getting unemployment. It, it's, it's like it's like the other way around. The people that's working, it's like, damn, we risking our lives to get the coronavirus, and we ain't getting paid nothing extra at all. You motherfuckers sitting at home and ain't risking nothing, and y'all getting coronavirus and y'all getting the extra money, you know what I'm saying, because of the coronavirus. And that's what I see the beef is going on. But it's still like, so we arguing over the crumbs right here, and they got the bread truck over there. They got the loaf of the bread over there. We still arguing over the crumbs over here. Word, bet. Got it. The whole point is poor people arguing with poor people about poor people shit. And we not recognizing that Cheyenne says, look at whose wealth is increasing all the while, right? Like other people is making money whole industries is taking off business is booming for some people just based hey, Jeff, oh stay home push the button mm, mm, stay home and push the mm. stay home oh y'all don't have to leave to shop you said you said you want another versus battle before I, you know what i'm saying like oh do it do it yeah. you know what I'm saying? so it's people winning and it's not us bickering or arguing with each other about how this little bit of money being spread around at all yeah it's just not hey, I, I mean it and it's is like this is that uh that that class trader type, you know what I mean? Arguments. I mean, we can get into the whole proletariat bourgeoisie and how racism, the racial hierarchy help disguises that, which is why we end up fighting each other, right? Because I mean, living in a capitalist society, we want to be those people. We want to be Jeff Bezos. So yeah. because we want to be Jeff Bezos, we're okay with the, the existence of Jeff Bezos. Because if somebody told you you couldn't be Jeff Bezos, you would say you infringing on my freedoms. And so, because we want that, like, like we want to hoard wealth like that, Lost we allow the capitalism, man. Yeah. That's how that shit go. But yo, that's the political chop.